Story ten of A Mirror of Shalott by Robert Hugh Benson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story ten Father Maddox's Tale this is a most disappointing story began old father maddox with a deprecating smile you will find it as annoying as the lady and the tiger there is no answer or rather there are two and you may take your choice and no one can contradict you or satisfy you that you are right there was a moment's pause as the priest elaborately placed a pinch of brown powder on his thumbnail and inhaled it noisily through first one nostril and then the other with an indescribable grimace he flicked the specks away wiped his nose with a magenta cotton handkerchief replaced his snuff-box folded his hands cocked one knee over the other and proceeded father maddox had looked so profound just now that canon maxwell had turned and challenged him and here was the result as he talked i watched his large flat foot creased across the toes as if an extra two inches had been added subsequently its size and shape seemed the very embodiment of common sense about fourteen or fifteen years ago he began i was at a mission in the fens quite a little place you would not know its name about ten miles from ely i was very much pleased to hear one day that an old friend of mine had taken a house about seven miles away at a place called badenham because you know the life of a priest at such a mission is apt to be very lonely and i looked forward to his company now and again the neighbouring protestant clergy would have nothing to say to me the old man smiled at the company in his deprecating manner and went on about a week later my friend mr hudson a bachelor by the way and a fellow of one of the cambridge colleges and a great recluse my friend wrote and asked me to spend a monday to wednesday with him there was a novelist coming to stay with him i think i had better not mention his name we will call him mr baxter and this uh, mr baxter wished to meet a catholic priest for a particular reason that you shall hear presently i was very much pleased at this for i had often heard the writer's name as all of you have reverend fathers he smiled slyly and i liked his books he was always very kind to us poor papists though i believe he was a man of no religion himself well i gave out that there would be no mass on tuesday or wednesday and i said too where i was going in case there was a sick call though that was not likely and on the monday afternoon i walked up with my bag from badenham station to the hall it was a very fine old house very old built i suppose about the beginning of the sixteenth century and it stood in the middle of a little park of about a hundred acres it was l-shaped of red brick with a little turret at the north end and had a little walled garden on the south mr baxter was not come yet he would be there for dinner my friend told me and sure enough about half-past seven he came he was a little man not at all what i expected with black hair a little grey at the temples clean-shaven with spectacles he was a very quick man i could see that he talked a great deal at dinner and it seemed from what my friend said that he was come down there from town to make a beginning at his new book which was to be on the days of elizabeth father maddox stopped and looked round smiling no gentlemen you cannot guess from that the book was never written as you shall hear 
there was a murmur of disappointment and father brent who had sat forward suddenly sank back again smiling too well it seemed that mr baxter wished to meet a priest because he was anxious to hear a little of how catholics managed in those days what it was that priests carried with them on their travels and so forth but it appeared presently that catholics were not to be the principal characters of the story though he thought of bringing them in i must have a priest father maddox he said there might be some good side scenes made out of that please tell me everything you can well i told him all i could and about the missal and altar stone at oscott and so on and i told him too the kind of work that priests had to do and their dangers and the martyrdoms did many give in he asked apostatize i said oh a few very few he seemed very thoughtful at that and after we had smoked a little he asked if we might go round the house he liked to know what sort of a place he was sleeping in he said he seemed to get very much excited with the house it was certainly an interesting old place with several panelled rooms uneven floors diamond-paned windows and all the rest there was a curious little place too in the turret a kind of watch-tower it seemed with tiny windows or rather spy-holes all round i never remember having seen anything like it elsewhere and it was approached by an oaken stair from the room below it was so small that two people could hardly turn round in it together well we saw everything going with candles and came down again at last to the old parlour and there we sat till nearly midnight mr baxter asking me all sorts of questions many of which i could not answer when our host took up his candle to go to bed mr baxter said he would sit up a bit so we left him and went upstairs i am always a poor sleeper particularly in a new house and i tossed about a long time it was winter by the way or rather late autumn so i had a fire in my room which was at the top of the stairs the first door on the right then when i did go to sleep at last i dreamed that i was still awake i don't know whether anyone else has ever had that but i often do i remember what i dreamed too it was that i was back again in the parlour with the other two and that i was trying to sleep in my chair but that mr baxter would not be quiet he kept walking up and down the room waving his hands and talking to himself and that the other man ah wait the priest paused i have not explained properly at first in my dream the third man was certainly mr hudson at least i suppose so but after a while it seemed not to be it was someone else i did not know who and i could not remember his face this third man apparently was not trying to sleep he was standing in the corner of the room in the shadow watching mr baxter as he went up and down well this went on a long time and then at last i awoke wide awake and lay much annoyed i was rather fully awake before i heard mr baxter come upstairs i heard his bedroom candle clink as he lit it in the hall below and then i heard the creak of one of his shoes which i had noticed before he came upstairs past my door walking rather quickly as his way was and i heard him shut the door of his room which was at the further end of the landing then i went to sleep father maddox paused took another pinch of snuff looking round on us 
is that all clear so far he asked there was a murmur of assent and he went on well mr baxter was very late at breakfast he did not come down till we had finished and i thought he looked very tired he was plainly rather excited too and as he helped himself at the sideboard he turned round my dear hudson he said what a house this is of yours it has really inspired me i sat up till nearly three and i believe i have got a first-rate idea of course we asked what it was and as he ate his porridge he told us he was going to bring in an apostate priest a man sincere enough in his faith who gave way under torture he was to be the son of a family who remained good catholics and he was to come home again to the very place where he had been caught and where his mother was still living it would be a good situation thought mr baxter the apostate son believing all the time and his mother who of course loved him but who hated the thought of what he had done and these two should live together in the house where they had said good-bye two months before when the mother thought her son was going to his martyrdom it seemed to me quite possible and i said so and that pleased mr baxter very much yes he said and hudson would you mind if i took this house as the scene of it it seems to me just made for it that little turret room you know would be the place from which the priest saw the constables surrounding the house and the room underneath could be the chapel and think what he would think when he saw them again do you mind mr hudson of course said that he would be highly honoured and all the rest and so it was settled presently mr baxter was off again it is quite extraordinary he said how vivid the whole thing is to me the character of the priest his little ways the weakness in his face and all the rest and the mother too a fine silent old lady intensely religious and intensely fond of her son and knowing that he had only yielded through pain he would limp a little from the rack and not be able to manage his knife very well i asked him presently how he worked out his characters and how far before he began to write generally he said i leave a good deal to the time of writing i first get the idea and perhaps the general appearance of each person and of course the plot then i began to write and after about a chapter or two the people seem to come alive and do it all themselves and i only have to write it down as well as i can i think most writers find it happens like that but this time i must say it is rather different i don't think i have ever had anything so vivid before i am beginning to think that my catholics will have to be the principal people after all at any rate i shall begin with them he talked like this a good deal at breakfast and seemed quite excited it all seemed to me very odd and particularly so when he said that when he was once in the middle of the book his characters seemed almost more real than living people it was a kind of trance he said the real world became shadowy and the world of imagination the real one since then i have asked one or two other writers and they have told me the same well when we met at lunch i began to understand how true it all was he was actually in a kind of waking dream he had been writing hard all the morning and it seemed as if he could pay no attention to anything he didn't talk much hardly a word in fact and finally mr hudson said something about it 
my dear man said the other i really can't attend i'm very sorry but it's a kind of obsession now i tell you that this book is the only thing that matters to me in the least they are all waiting for me now in the study mr jennifer the apostate his mother and an old manservant of the house i can't possibly come out this afternoon this chapter has got to get done he really was quite pale with excitement and he rushed out again as soon as he had finished well mr hudson and i went out together and we got back about four just as the evening was beginning to close in we had tea alone mr baxter had ordered it for himself it seemed when our host came in to see if he was coming he is working like a madman he said when he came back i have just given him the keys of the turret he says he's going up there before it is quite dark to see how far away the priest could have seen the constables round the house after tea i went upstairs to put on my cassock and change my shoes and as i went into my room i heard the study door open and mr baxter come out i watched him from inside go past and heard him cross the landing to get to the turret room and the stairs now i must explain father maddox paused then he leaned forward drew up the little table by his side and began to arrange books in the shape of an l this is the first floor you understand this small book stands for the horizontal of the l my room was here in the angle at the top of the stairs mr baxter's room was on the right past mine at the end of the horizontal just opposite his room was the one which he said was to be the chapel and out of this room rose the turret stairs this part of the house is only two stories high but the turret itself is high enough to see over the roofs of the upright part of the l as those rooms although there are three stories of them are much lower than these others very well then i heard mr baxter go across and go into the chapel room then i heard his footsteps stop he was looking he told us afterwards at the place where the altar would have stood and so on when i had changed my things i thought i would go out and see how he was getting on it was very nearly dark by now so i took one of my candles and went across the door of the chapel room was open and i went in father maddox paused once more i could see that a climax was coming and i must confess that i felt oddly excited he seemed such a common-sense man too now those of you who have ever shot over dogs know what happens when a dog points how he stiffens all over and is all strung up tight well that is what mr baxter was doing he was standing or rather crouching with his hands out on either side palms down staring sideways up the little staircase that led to the turret this staircase i must tell you ran diagonally up across the further end of the room like a loft staircase there were no open banisters it was masked by panelling and was generally closed by a door in the panelling but this was open now and as i said he had twisted his head sideways so that his eyes looked up it up to the right well at first i thought he was calculating something but he did not move as i came in he was like a statue i said something but he paid no attention i went right up to him mr baxter i said i've come to see 
then a sort of horrid moan came from him and he suddenly jumped back and seized me by the arm so that the candle dropped and we were almost in the dark but i caught a sight of his face he's coming down he's coming down father he whispered oh for god's sake then he gave a great wrench at my arm still moaning and somehow we were out of the room across the landing and half tumbling downstairs together mr hudson ran out at the noise and somehow we got him into the study and in a deep chair and he went off into a swoon the old man paused and looked round with rather a tremulous smile and i must confess the silence in the room was very much marked well half an hour later mr baxter seemed himself again he was able to tell us what had happened it seemed that he had gone into the room and as i had thought had stopped a moment or two there trying to imagine the old arrangements that he had invented invented reverend fathers remember that there was no tradition about the house at all neither then nor afterwards then he had gone to the staircase to go up to the turret now this is what he said he saw he told us all this gradually of course he saw a man in a cassock and cap standing on the top step of the little stairs looking out through the tiny window that is in the wall opposite at first he thought it was i it was very dark there was only a little dim light from the turret room behind the figure and his face as i said was pressed against the darkening window exactly as if he were watching for somebody he had called out and the figure had turned and he had seen it to be a young man under thirty with very large dark eyes thin lips and a little round chin he had seen that absolutely plainly in the light from the window he also saw as he looked that the face was exactly that of the priest whom he had imagined in his story and who as he had told us at lunch was completely vivid to his brain well he had simply stared and stared he said that fear was not the word at all it was a kind of paralysis he could not move or take his eyes away and what was odd too was that this other man seemed paralyzed too he said that the lips moved and that the eyes were wide and dilated but that he said nothing mr baxter had heard me come in and at the sound the figure at the top of the stairs had winced and clasped his hands and that then with some sort of hopeless gesture it had begun to come down then i had spoken and mr baxter had turned and seized my arm well there was no doing anything with mr baxter he lay still starting at every sound telling us this little by little then he asked that his things might be packed he must go away at once he said we told him what nonsense it all was and how he had been worked up and mr hudson talked about the artistic temperament and all the rest but it was no good he must go and mr hudson rang the bell to give the order as mr baxter stood up at last still all white and trembling he saw his manuscript on the table and before i could say a word he had seized it and tossed it into the fire there would be thirty or forty pages i should think we went to the door to see him off he had entirely refused to go upstairs again even his boots were brought down and he hardly said anything more after he had told us his story he said he would write it in a day or two 
then we went back to the parlor and talked it all over of course we said what we thought it seemed to us plain enough that he had worked himself up to a most frightful pitch of nerves and well all the rest of it the whole thing we said was sheer imagination you see it was not that there was any story about the house just as mr hudson was going to dress the butler came in father maddox stopped again now reverend fathers this is the point of the story and you may draw your own conclusions the butler came in looking rather puzzled and asked how many there would be for dinner mr hudson told him two mr baxter was not coming back i beg your pardon sir said the man but what of the other gentleman why here he is said my friend one and one makes two manthorpe but the gentleman upstairs sir and his servant you may imagine we jumped rather at that and he told us then one of the maids going across the landing ten minutes before had seen two persons one of them a young gentleman she said in a long cloak and the other an old man his servant she thought for he was carrying a great bag come out of mr baxter's room and go into the turret room the young gentleman was limping she said she had particularly noticed that father maddox stopped and there was a sudden chorus of questions no he said there was no explanation at all the maid had not been at all frightened she had supposed it was another visitor come by the same train as that by which mr baxter had come the night before she had not followed them she had just gone and told manthorpe and asked where the gentleman was to sleep we went everywhere into the turret room up the stairs everywhere there was nothing there never was anything none at all now you see the difficulty reverend fathers ended the old man smiling again the question is did mr baxter's imagination in a kind of way create those things so strongly that not only he saw them but the maid as well a kind of violent thought transference or was it that there was truth in the story that something of the sort had happened in the house and that this was the reason why firstly the idea had come so vividly to mr baxter's mind and secondly that he and the maid had actually seen well what did they see he took out his snuff-box end of story ten